we're continuing our series about welcome home worshiper. And we've looked at leper worship. We've looked at worshiping the Lord through failure, like when David was trying to get the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. And there was some loss and failure there. He learned how to worship anyway. And today we're going to look at an amazing story that reveals the connection between deep personal worship and the power of God. Deep personal worship and the power of God. How many of you would like the power of God to just be released in your life? Don't you have some things the power of God could take care of? I'm telling you, there is a bridge from where you are to where the power of God can flow like never before in your life. Look with me to Luke chapter 7. Again, great to have Wesley back up here. Man, Lord have mercy, we've missed him. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house. That's Jesus, went to the Pharisee's house. And sat down to eat. Behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. Everybody say a sinner. You don't hear those words used too much anymore. Anymore, I remember years ago hearing a preacher, and his his closing line was always "Bye bye, sinner friend." That was his altar call: "Bye bye, sinner friend." If you want to change that, come on up to the front. But if not, bye bye, sinner friend. You don't hear that word used too much, but here in the Bible it says this woman in the city who was a sinner, when she saw that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask or a box a container of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to him saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him for she is a sinner And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. Jesus said, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Notice, she was worshiping with unforgiven sin. For as much, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with them began to say to themselves, But who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. 
go in peace. So here was an unforgiven, unsaved woman at the feet of Jesus worshiping him. I'd like to preach the third installment of my series, Welcome Home Worship. I want to say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and for your word. I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts, God, in this unplugged service. I pray that we would plug into your presence. And, God, there would be some miracles take place in this house before the day is over. I give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to capture the moment of which we just read. The depth, the intimacy, the worship expressed by this woman, it's absolutely unparalleled in Scripture. It's so up close and personal. Talk about worship unplugged. The text says the woman was a sinner. Not she had been a sinner, but at the very time when she was worshiping Jesus, She was a sinner. The text indicates that she was an immoral woman with a reputation around town. History says she was a prostitute, which means at the time she was worshiping Jesus, she was a prostitute. She was a broken soul who had come to recognize her own brokenness. She was well aware of her own condition, and she had not changed, not yet. She came to Simon's house only because she heard Jesus was there. She did not come to criticize Simon or shake her fist in the air and protest the pomposity and hypocrisy of Simon's religious sect, the Pharisees. Rather, she came just as she was to worship Jesus. Everybody was invisible to her in the house that day, except for the one whom she had come to worship. She had gone to all this trouble not to see Simon, but to see Jesus. The name Jesus It means Savior. But the question is, for whom? Whom would he save? And from what would he save them? Now the angel said in Matthew 121, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, listen, for he shall save his people from their sins. In this story, before the day is over, we're going to see that Jesus would save this woman from her sins. In other words, this sinful woman, this immoral woman, this prostitute, qualified as his people, and this sinless Jesus qualified as her Savior. Now, I want to encourage somebody today. There are people in this room, you've come in here so broken, and some of you think, I don't qualify for him to save me. I want you to learn a lesson from this little lady in our reading today. You know what it takes to qualify for him, qualify you for him to save you? Here's the bottom line. Mark 1.17 said, 
I didn't come, Jesus, to call the righteous to salvation, but sinners. Here's what qualifies you to, to, to be one of the people that he saves. you got to be lost. you got to be broken. you you got to be uh, messed up. If, if that's you, then you qualify. And let me tell you, my Jesus is well qualified to save you, no matter how lost you may be. Hallelujah. If you're lost, then today, Jesus is here for you. If you'll just open up your spirit, I'm telling you, you will hear him calling your name. No matter how bad you've blown it, no matter how bad you've messed up, listen to me. You are his people. He is your God. And before the day is over, he's going to save you. Amen. Now, now you may say to yourself, you don't understand, Donovan, how broken I am. You have no idea how badly I have dropped the ball, how I've messed up my life. I've made so many mistakes. I've committed so many sins. How can I be his people? How can he save somebody like me? Let me tell you the truth of the matter. He's no respecter of persons. If he saved this little lady in this reading, he'll save you today. It's not about the power of your sin. It's about the power of his ability to save. He is able. Come on, give him some praise. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. 1 Peter 2.10 says, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I want to encourage somebody today. You just need to receive the mercy that is flowing from the throne of heaven to you today. Amen. When I was a kid, my athleticism was kind of masked behind a 110-pound frame. And I know, you know, little guys can be very athletic. I mean, Altuve in the World Series is showing us that. But here's the deal. He's 5'6 and about 100 and, I don't know, 60 pounds, something like that. Here's the deal, though. I was 110 pounds, pretty small fella. That's in high school. And uh, as, as good as I thought I was athletically, I, I really, I, I guess I was the only one that saw it. Because any time we went to play and, and divide up into teams, you know, you always chose a team captain. Nick, you're like, Who, who's going to be the team captain? Well, the team captain would, would start picking the team. And you know who was always not first to get picked? Yours truly. I was not the guy. And, 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 and I, re- I love sports. I played every sport. I played all the time. I mean, Sunday afternoons, we would go up to Airline High School and, and we would play uh, football in the field on Sunday afternoons. On Friday nights and Saturdays, I was playing softball in league teams. And just, I love sports, but when it came to picking teams, I don't know, everybody missed it. We used to play basketball in the wintertime at Waller Elementary School. We, we would go break into the gym or airline high school, break into the gym, and we would play basketball. And I'm telling you, uh, people that were awful got chosen before me. I never understood that. 
Like, I, I, I'm bringing something to the table. But apparently everybody didn't catch that. Uh, you know, usually when I got picked, it was, it was because the captain felt sorry for me or was kin to me, like my cousin Randy, or because there was nobody else to pick and I was the last guy picked. But here's the deal. I would play my heart out, man. Like, I gave it everything that I had. I thought I was all that in a bag of chips, but nobody seemed to think the same thing. Listen, nobody else may have picked you for this team called the church. They didn't see potential in you. But you don't need anybody else to pick you. All you need is for the captain of the team to pick you. If he picks you, you're on the team. And his name is Jesus. And he has called you out of darkness and into this marvelous light to be on his team. Listen, listen to the way Paul describes the team that God has chosen. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 and 30 through 30 says this. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things. Literally, God has chosen the fools of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world, the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. That's the team. Listen, Matthew 16 Jesus reveals a powerful truth to Peter. And to sum it up, it's basically this. The Son of God is the Son of Man. The Son of God is the Son of Man. And in Matthew 18, 11, Jesus said, The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. What's he doing when he saves the lost? He's picking a team. Listen to what Jesus said about his team in Matthew 16, 16. And upon this rock, I will build my team and the gates of hell shall not prevail. When he gets you on the team, you're on the winning team. You are not destined to lose. You are destined to win because Jesus is your captain. This church, it may look like a bunch of losers to some people, the church of the living God, but I'm telling you, we're on the winning team. We're the head and not the tail. We're above only and not beneath. No weapon formed against us will prosper. It's not because of our spiritual greatness, but it's because of his mercy. It's his power. Come on, give him some praise right now. Now, we need to pay careful attention to the text that we read. There's something between the woman walking in a sinner and her leaving a saint. In other words, she walked in lost. She left found, saved. But there was a catalyst. What was it? Well, I think it's obvious it was her worship. It was her worship, her very personal, intimate worship of Jesus. Can you imagine the courage 
that she had to muster up to walk in the house of a Pharisee and bow at the feet of Jesus and worship him. There was a grand canyon between her and Jesus, the worshiper and the worship. She was profane, but he was holy. She was only human. He was God in flesh. She was frail, but he was all-powerful. But she came in just as she was, courageously, and without changing, not yet. And she offered him the praise and worship that he deserved. Jesus was God in flesh, obviously, and he's a bridge from God to her. But another way to see this is that her worship served as a bridge from her to God and her receiving from God. I mean, before she changed at all, while still employed in her profession, she worshiped Jesus. Catch the moment. House of a Pharisee, a lot of pomp and circumstance. A leading rabbi is at dinner, and this woman busts through this pompous crowd and finds her way to the feet of Jesus, and she's weeping in his presence. She understood, I don't deserve to be here. I am a wreck, but you're the Lord of glory. And she's weeping. She's emotionally moved in the presence of the Lord. She's self-aware. She's Jesus-aware. And she's focused on giving him. And she's brought this alabaster box. This is a year and a half worth of wages. She didn't come empty-handed. She had prepared. She comes. And she's weeping and crying and anointing him and crying. She undoes her hair. All of this is scandalous. She undoes her hair in public. And she's, she's drying off uh, the tears from her eyes on his feet. She's drying off his feet. She's worshiping him. It's very scandalous. Simon described her worship essentially as being dirty worship. If this man were a prophet, he would know how dirty she is. He wouldn't let her do that. I want to tell somebody in this house today, you can worship Jesus just like you are. People will say, you can't worship God like that. you got to get all cleaned up. I'm telling you, Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What others call dirty worship, Jesus calls worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. Listen to me. The, the, the moment she began to worship Jesus, just like she was, was the moment she began to be healed and delivered and set free and rescued and saved. She started out worshiping as a sinner, but she ended up worshiping as a child of the Most High God. She was now His people, and He was her Savior. I'm telling you, Jesus loves worshipers, and He saves worshipers. He's here for everybody. But everybody's not going to get what he's giving. You don't have to change to worship him. 
But if you'll start worshiping him, I'm telling you, your change has already begun. Your healing is found in worshiping him. Your deliverance is found in worshiping him. Your rescue is found in worshiping him. People... People want the presence of God to break in on them and just change their lives. They're desperate. I got desperate needs. I got broken places. I need my relationship healed. I need my deliverance. Let's get down where we really live. I need this addiction broken. I need my husband fixed. I need my marriage fixed. I need my finances fixed. And we hope the presence of God just breaks in on us. I'm telling you, the bridge for getting into that place, that secret place, is to give yourself to praise and worship of the Most High God. Not to sit there like a bump on a log or a bump on a pickle, but give Jesus the praise that he deserves. Because he ain't going to do magic tricks for you. This is relationship, brothers and sisters. This is getting in his presence and saying, I'm nothing without you. I need you more than anything. Are you with me? You understand where I'm coming from? I'm telling you, the Lord will do great and mighty things, but you've got to open up your heart. And I love the way, and I've been focused on this for the last several weeks, but I love the way Jesus is not repelled and repulsed by her worship. He doesn't say, get away from me, you nasty woman. No. He says, honey, your sins are forgiven you. Now, the truth of the matter is, Simon the Pharisee was a fake and a phony. He was as big of a sinner as she was. But he was just, in his own mind, too saved to worship Jesus. I think there are some of us, we think we're too saved to worship Jesus. We've forgotten what it's like to be lost. We've forgotten what it's like to be bound. We've forgotten what it's like to be desperate. This, listen, this woman worshiped Jesus in this profound way. Jesus said that that this woman's story would be mentioned everywhere the gospel is preached. It really is an illustration of good news. Come just as you are, leave different. Come broken, leave healed. It's an illustration. But this woman worshiped in the house of a Pharisee. It's unprecedented. It was a dip. You talk about a hard worship service to let your hair down in, literally. You know, there's some church services you walk in and people are bouncing off the wall, right? Woo! Hanging from the chandeliers. I come up from, I came up in Pentecostal circles, okay? I've, I've seen people literally parkour in worship during church. If you don't know what that is, look it up. I mean, like jumping through windows and running up the wall and flipping. I like it's crazy. I've seen a lot of stuff. I've seen people they just go nuts. Uh, you know, after the way that some call heresy, I've seen people worship the Lord. And sometimes the flow is just on. She gets her flow on in the house of a Pharisee. 
who is stuffy and too saved. Let me just say this. Too many churches are like a Pharisee's house, full of pride, self-reliance, a lack of self-awareness, like we don't need a Savior or anything. I'm going to tell you something. Thank you for pastor appreciation. But if I have anything to do with it, LifePoint's going to be a house of worship for sinners and for saints who haven't forgotten. I'm a sinner saved by grace. This is going to be a house of worship to Jesus. I don't need saved people who are self-reliant and worship themselves. I need people who have their eyes fixed on Jesus and say like the song said, I'm nothing without you. In you I live and move and have my being. It's only because of you. That's the kind of house we have to have here at Life Point. That old Pharisee's house. But listen, she worshiped in the middle of a Pharisee's house. Worshiping Jesus. I mean, and Simon, Simon's thoughts are, well, he's a rabbi, but if he were a prophet, he would know she nasty. And he wouldn't receive her worship. He he would stop all of this nonsense. Talk about missing your moment. Somewhere in the portals of eternity, either in heaven or hell, I'm not the judge. There is a guy named Simon the Pharisee. Some say it's Simon the leper from another story. I don't know who was healed from leprosy, possibly, or had a skin disease at the time that wasn't leprosy, what have you. But somewhere in the portals of eternity, there is a guy, Simon the Pharisee, who is is face-palming. Oh, oh, what an idiot. And and it's recorded in Holy Scripture for all eternity. Simon going, "Hmm, well, if you were really a prophet, he wouldn't accept this. Judging the worship of the prostitute at the feet of Jesus as not being legitimate. And Simon is rebuked by Jesus. Jesus stops him and says, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. A uh, 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 lender had two people that owed him money. One owed five thousand. One owed fifty thousand, basically dollars. And the one, neither one of them could pay. And the guy uh, forgave them. And so, which one was more thankful? Well, Simon says probably the one who had owed a lot of money. And Jesus says, you've answered, that's a good answer. Patted him on the head, that's a good answer, little Pharisee. That's a good answer. It's true. And you see this woman? I know how many sins she has, but her sins are forgiven. Simon the Pharisee, his sins weren't forgiven. Uh, We don't have any record where Jesus said, no, Simon, your sins are forgiven. He never even says it. Simon offers no worship, no praise. He's just having him over for a meal to impress his friends, to investigate a little bit, to check him out with the cocked eyebrow. If he were a prophet, he's got to be facing, face palming himself, you know, kicking himself. I'm the guy who totally missed 
my moment. Brothers and sisters, I don't want to miss my moment. I don't want to think that my praise and my worship is no longer needed because, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing all right. I want to always be aware that no matter how good I'm doing, it ain't good enough to get me into heaven. And no matter how good I'm doing, it's only because he has extended his love and grace towards me in some of the most broken states of my life and rescued me and pulled me up. And I never, ever want to forget it. One of my great, my favorite stories in the Bible, I preach about it a lot, but is that scene in the book of Revelation in heaven. People have made it. Brother Barbara, they've made it over. They're in heaven. They're in heaven. But in heaven, the Bible says, we'll know as we're known. In other words, there, there's this born-again experience we have here on this earth. There's a change in our spirit. But the Bible says to present your body and to renew your mind. So there's this idea of sanctification and change. But when we get to the other side, our body's going to be glorified, and we're going to know as we are known. So there's going to be this awareness. So in heaven, knowing everything about our redemption, when we get to heaven, the picture is painted of a crowd that nobody could number from every tribe, nation, tongue, kindred, no racial divides, no national divides. Everybody is there together. And what does everybody do in one accord? They take their crowns off of reward, and they throw them at the feet of Jesus, and they say, worthy is the Lamb to receive glory and honor and power. And you know where we see a picture of that? We see a picture of that in Simon's house with a prostitute woman that had this revelation prior to Revelation, and she's saying, worthy is the Lamb to receive glory and honor and power. It's not by my might. It's not by my strength. I am his people, and he is my God and my Savior, and I give him all the praise and the worship. Brothers and sisters, talk about unplugged. Somewhere you've got to unplug from your self-reliance. You've got to unplug from your own provision, your own goodness, and plug into heaven and say, you are worthy, and bow the knee and give him the praise and the worship that he deserves. Because that's the only thing. Listen, if it wasn't for his mercy, we would all go to hell like a bullet. We wouldn't be here today. Now, I love this. This was with this woman in this Pharisee's house. No music. It was not like, oh, Wesley, can you give me a little guitar background? Lizzie Taylor, give me some keys. Let me get that music kind of setting the stage. No fanfare. There was no pulpit, no dim lights, no fog machine. <laughs> it, was, it was just her and Jesus. And I'm closing. Listen, we will hide behind a lot of things, and we will discriminately worship the Lord. We'll say things like this. Well, I love modern worship. Oh, thank you, Lord. I listen to K-Love all the time. I love, you know, Hillsong United, these different artists. I listen to them. I love modern worship. And so we get into church service, and when our 
worship candy music comes on, we go crazy. We worship the Lord. We move. We enjoy that. We'll say, I like gospel. I like black gospel music. That's what I cut my teeth on, man, and I just love to get my gospel jam on. I listen to Kirk Franklin Radio on XM, and, and I just get my praise on, and I love that. I listen to that, man, and so we get in a church service where our music is playing, and we give Jesus the worship and the praise. We'll say, I like southern gospel music. Like, oh, I love those quartets. That brings back memories. That's the day. Listen, I used to play at a place called the Gospel Hayride. People sat out there and ate nachos and popcorn and watched quartets sing, and I played the drums, right? So I'm a little nostalgic to some of that. You know, it makes me want to get some nachos and popcorn and whatnot, but get my praise on with some nachos in my mouth, you know what I mean? And so, uh, and then some of us, we grew up with choir music, and we love choirs and, you know, altos, you know, ah, uh, tenors, ah, you know, uh, sopranos, and, and so we're, we love the choir thing going on. And when that goes down, we get our praise on and we get our worship on. But let me ask you a question. Was it southern gospel music that saved you? Was it black gospel music that reached out and rescued you? Was it modern worship that found you in that miry pit? Was it choir music that saved you? I'm going to tell you the truth is no. It was Jesus who found you. Jesus, worshiping Jesus is more than just a style of music or church. I get so sick of us basing our worship on the style of music or the style of the preacher. Whatever happened to Jesus? What did Jesus do in your life? Come on now. What did Jesus do for you? It's all about Jesus. Get your mind off of this stuff and get your mind on Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Savior. It's all about the cross. Come on, give him some praise. Praise him like he saved you. Praise him like the night he found you. Hallelujah. I give you worship, Jesus. I don't deserve it. But you've been so good to me. You've been so good to me. And listen, stand, remain standing. We try to please everybody, y'all. We try to give you some of the music you like. We try to do that, but we can't. We don't have the talent, ability to cover all the ranges of taste and preference. Forget about it. Put your eyes on Jesus. A little harlot walked into a Pharisee's house, a stinking attitude Pharisee's house, and in spite of all that junk and nastiness, she bows the knee. It says, Lord, I don't deserve to be here. She bows low. She weeps and cries. And Jesus is just like, pour it on, honey. Show them how it's done. Somebody needs to show us how it's done this morning. Jesus was saying, show us how it's done, honey. Don't stop now. Show us how it's done. Uh, This is fascinating to me. Romans 3 says that grace has been freely given freely given some of the commentators the wording they're freely given is promiscuous in other words the grace of God will just go to anybody pardon my vernacular the French here but would just get with anybody this was a harlot 
who would just get with anybody. Used to being to luring people. Hey, mister. The grace of God. This was all set up. This was Jesus went to Simon's house, not for Simon. Jesus went to Simon's house because he knew that little girl was going to hear about it. He was lured. The grace of God was saying, hey, honey. Hey, honey. I got, I got some hope for you. I've got some healing for you. I can fix what's broken in you, girl. I can take those sins away and turn you into a child of the king. I can take away those tears, and I can take away those ashes, and I can give you joy, and I can put a dance in your step. Jesus was saying, I'll go to anybody. How many of you found that Jesus will go to anybody? I found he'll go to anybody. And he's luring somebody today. Come on. The bridge is your worship. Bring your worship to me. Show me that you know how messed up you are and how right and righteous I am. And I'll take, you're not going to break me. I'll take all my healing and I'll give it to you. And I, you won't change me, but I'll change you. But you come just as you are. And it's that worship that really starts the ball to rolling and the change. You know what Jesus was saying to her? Welcome home, worshiper. Well, hey, honey, welcome home. That's scandalous. Welcome home. I know what's going to happen here. You're going to leave changed. Who cares about the Pharisee? Honey, is it, is it worship unplugged? You and me, honey. I receive that. Can you close your eyes with me right now? Father, I thank you for your presence in this house. I thank you for the, the goodness of God. Lord, I tried to preach. I got 17 more pages of notes, Lord. I just tried to preach what you put in my spirit. God, there's, there's somebody that needs to know today that you are welcome at this table, that you are welcome at his feet. And Father, there's some Pharisees that need to just take off those pompous robes and just grovel at the dirt around Jesus' feet. Just give them some praise and worship like they haven't done in a long time. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, convict us today. Holy Spirit, move and convict us today. Bring us back to you, to this heart of worship, God. We give you praise for that right now. In Jesus' name.